Hi, I'm James McGuire, and on today's eSpeaks, we're taking a look at generative AI in the enterprise. We'll talk about navigating some of the challenges of Gen AI and how to use this powerful technology in a responsible manner. To discuss that, I'm joined by Pandurang Kamet, Chief Technology Officer at Persistent Systems. Pandurang, very good to have you with us today. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me, James. You know, and I think it would be good for us to start for you to speak a little bit about wh what Persistent Systems does. I know, I know that many people obviously know the company, but for those who aren't as familiar, what, what does Persistent do? Yeah, sure, James. So we are a trusted digital engineering and modernization partner for enterprises and independent software vendors all over the world. We are 33 years old, publicly listed in India and today have a global footprint in about 21 countries. And that's uh, basically what we do. We help companies design new digital experiences, streamline their software and product engineering, modernize and move to the cloud or reimagine and modernize the overall application stack, as well as helping manage their application and infrastructure. That's who we are. All right, that's a, that's a big job. And, and obviously there's a huge demand for those services. Um, yeah. I'd like to talk to you, Gen AI, very big topic this year, obviously. Um, what, what are your thoughts about Gen AI's impact on customer experiences? And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there wouldn't be a certain unpredictability there in that, obviously, generative AI, but it's very, by its very nature, does generate content, uh, and it may not be always, uh, you know, what the company wants. Your, your, your sense, Gen AI's impact on customer experiences, what, what do you say? Sure. So see we have now been working with this technology for about a year at least uh, you know starting with some of the initial experimentation to actually uh, building out solutions in different scenarios so the first and foremost despite the early days where there are going to be some clunkiness to this technology some clunkiness to the experience we firmly believe that over the long term this is essentially going to provide us superpowers not just to the knowledge workers but to pretty much, uh, you know, anyone who's interacting with any digital tools to do their jobs or to do their creative, uh, you know, work. Uh, we see this as predominantly providing very, if you do it right, you know, very intuitive uh, interventions powered by generative AI within the workflow that the person is doing. It will be very assistive in nature, not necessarily fully autonomous perhaps in the very long term, but not in the near term. Uh, we expect it to be personalized uh, so that people uh, actually get not very generic responses, but not uh, very contextually relevant things, not just to the task at hand, but to the person doing the task and overall accelerative uh, technology. So that is how, at least when we counsel or advise customers or we build things for ourselves to consume, uh, this is what we keep in mind in terms of customer experiences. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense. I, I think I mean, clearly there are some challenges to, to Gen AI, AI adoption. I mean, for instance, sometimes employees may be entering a, a question that might, you know, suggest, you know, corporate strategy that has not been revealed yet. Maybe there's confidential information. Uh, maybe the system does spit out an answer that isn't quite in, in line with what the company wants. What, what do you see about handling some of the challenges of generative AI? Sure. Let me, since we, we are talking particularly in the enterprise, right? let me address yeah. this with two dimensions quickly or two perspectives rather. One yes. is from the decision maker or the CIOs and the CXOs within the enterprise. Mm -hmm. 
the number one concern that we are hearing or even even today a year into this is uh what is the uh scenario with data privacy right uh, are is my content safe is it likely to remember things is it likely to be used to train the model and therefore create a data leak channel for me that's the number one concern most of these concerns with enterprise services are being addressed or already addressed but that remains the number one question the other thing uh, is around hallucinations as they are known where these models can start making up things not uh, backed by facts uh, and that becomes a big concern and there is a slew of grounding tools that have emerged and continue to get better which can be used in and a bunch of techniques actually not just tools but a series of very scientifically based techniques that you can use to ground and control these hallucinations the third challenge that we see is around consistency by the very nature of these uh, you know uh, uh, models consistency by default is not a trait that they come with so you have to build that in the layer that you are building on top of it and that uh from a decision maker standpoint these are the biggest concerns cost of course always at the top of the mind but there is also a flip side here the end user and the number one concern there is a am i having to learn something new or is this going to be intuitive enough and b is this going to make my job redundant right and those are very legitimate concerns so even as we build out these things our focus or our even majority of the you know builders who are doing it the right way the focus should be on a uh, building very empathetically to the end user making sure that they are not uh, uh pushed out of the equation but basically they are assisted to focus more on human power tasks and not on the mundane and that's uh, you know that's how we navigate some of this you know i think you made a really interesting point about hallucinations and i think a lot of companies worry about hallucinations from their gen ai platforms you mentioned a possible way to to combat that i wasn't totally sure about what that was can you elaborate a little bit how how can companies deal with that problem of hallucinations sure so there are techniques you know a series of techniques actually from right from crafting prompts that create a very narrow channel for the model to respond and by the way even going a step before that right uh, there are ways in which if you're training your own model you could train it with uh, like uh, anthropic did with certain constitution that says here are the do's and don'ts these are paramount even as you give any responses or uh, any inferences once you are complete right that's the first step step 0 if you will but if you're using a third party uh, generative model you can still build layers into the prompt engineering part of it where you are giving very precise directives you can ask for it to reason out and explicitly make its chain of thought clear cite the sources you can give instructions that ground it in the facts that are being provided to uh, as part of the context during inference there are about a dozen different techniques to uh, make sure that at least to some extent you are able to control the hallucinations and also provide consistency of responses hmm interesting okay Well, I think the the other big issue with, with artificial intelligence is responsible AI. I mean, for instance, we want to we want to get inside the black box and know why are why are those answers being created? You know, that AI is spitting out. Um, sometimes maybe a, a loan is given or, or not given, and we don't know why the algorithm decided to not give that loan. And you know, responsible AI, explainable AI. What what is what is your take on this? 
Sure. Um, that's a great question, by the way, because the question of responsible AI has always been around. It had become uh, more in focus in the last probably five to seven years. But mm -hmm. with the advent of generative AI, that has taken a whole new dimension, right? And uh, in our work in AI, even before this revolution, we had looked at five different pillars. Mm -hmm. AI should be accountable, reproducible, transparent, secure, and private. Now, if you look at these accountability, for example, uh, ethics, uh, ethical training, ethical inference, bias and fairness, or rather, uh, you know, controlling or removing bias and inference and being fair, these are key uh, uh, tenets of that. Now, in the case of uh, generative AI, this means uh, preventing hallucinations, addressing uh, the training data has been sourced ethically, and again, the bias removal tools that exist with AI to begin with. With tools like LLM Ops, we are bringing uh, reproducibility in, a, in the AI pipeline by taking prompts from ad hoc to a structured library or by bringing industry-specific ontologies, we are making AI consistent and reproducible. You talked about explainability. That's a little bit of a, a tough one when it comes to the specific type of AI that powers the generation of content, right? Because by definition, neural networks that power generative AI are not very explainable. However, the techniques I talked about earlier, some of them, like asking it to cite the sources that led to its inference, give you traceability, not necessarily full explainability as it, uh, you know, with other kinds of AI, but at least traceability and references uh, that will help in making that AI a little more trustworthy uh, and comfortable for people. And then with security, there is now, you, you must have heard about prompt injection attacks and things like that. So making AI safe, not only from attacks on the AI, but from the kind of output it generates, like you know, things that can be damaging, lead to destructive behavior and things like that, uh, should be controlled you know, by the designers of that. And finally, uh, like any other system, we should be respectful of the personally identifiable information, keeping the enterprise data confidential, even as you build out uh, you know, large scale models that are served by these hyperscalers or by any other service providers. Mm -hmm. That's how we see responsible. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I, I guess that's, that's the very first time I've heard the phrase, uh, you know, LLM ops, meaning it's large language model operations. So it's a, I can, I can see where that goes. That, that's going to be a, a hot trend of the years ahead, I would imagine. Uh, let's, let's look at persistent systems itself. And you talked up front about what it does, but can you give some examples of how it would, would serve enterprise, the needs of enterprise clients? I mean, what, what does persistent do on a day-to-day on -day basis for enterprise clients? Sure. So particularly, uh, you know, with generative AI, uh, what we are doing is, see, as, as I talked about, we do digital engineering, right? So we may be, we may be ending up building uh, very specific bespoke enterprise workflows or uh, modernizing their enterprise workflows to bring efficiency. We are taking generative AI and creating those workflows to be more intuitive, more accelerated today. The cognitive search, natural intuitive interface to finding digital assistance or building digital assistance within the enterprise. The second thing uh, that we do uh, is building very industry specific bespoke use cases. So traditionally also one of our strength has been deep tech uh, expertise that we use to build uh, industry specific solutions with 
data and AI, traditional AI. So today we are building generative AI solutions powered by the distinctive data that that company has and uh, solving particular needs like drug discovery, say loan underwriting, being made smarter with generative AI assisting the underwriter and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, but the biggest change that we see is in changing the way we build software itself, right? And that becomes a very important question for us because bulk of our business comes from building software for other people. Mm -hmm. The nature of how we build software itself is being completely transformed dramatically by generative AI. Mm -hmm. And we are doing this in two ways. One is uh, complete greenfield uh, or brownfield, if you will, software development. How you can just augment what the developer is doing by helping with code snippets or writing test cases or even creating automatic pull requests and things like that. But we also do a lot of business in modernizing application. And that's a whole different journey, right? Because your language tech before and after is very different. The architecture of the system is very different. So a lot of our energy and effort is being spent right now on figuring out how do we completely transform the journey for legacy modernization for engineering teams, as well as for the end customers. And what does that look like powered by Genia? And that's what I'm, one of the things I'm most excited about. That, that is a big question. Going ahead, you're talking about refreshing legacy applications, applications using generative AI. That, that seems like a, it's, a, it's a hard task because it's the opposite of Greenfield. You've got to take something that's already built and, and, and build it more using artificial intelligence. Am I understanding you correctly? Is, is that the task? Absolutely. So, so companies like us have been doing that traditionally by you know, having expert engineering teams that actually study the legacy code, understand the business logic, reimagine what the architecture should look like, and then start writing the new architecture with the business logic that you need to bake in there, right? Now, if you mm -hmm. see here, whenever it comes to understanding something, that's where generative AI can speed up the process of understanding. Uh, as simple as he helped explain this function to me to explain and extract a complete set of business rules from these 500,000 lines of code. Mm -hmm. You can try and attack you know, the, the problem at different scales there. And that is what, uh, you know, one of the things that excites us most. Interesting. Well, let's, let's look at the, the future of generative AI in the enterprise. I think that, that's the big question. Companies are really wondering where is all where is this all going? Mainly because they want to get ahead of it themselves. So, what do you see in terms of the future of generative AI in the enterprise? And I, I still have to say I think it's pretty unpredictable. Agree with that or, or not necessarily? I, you stole my line. My first opening thing was the short <laughs> answer is I don't know. Yes, uh, good. I'm, I'm glad you admit that. I appreciate that. Absolutely, because uh, I mean, if you told me uh, a year ago uh, if I knew what I knew would happen. Uh, I, I would have called it crazy, right? Or right. even three months ago right. and last week and last weekend, for example, all those things. So uh, the, uh, but the few things that we see are happening. One is uh, we kind of started seeing this trend even back in like April of this year where the, the whole initial impression about it's going to cost you uh, 200 million, $300 million to train your foundation models to do anything. Uh, that was going to go away, and we are already seeing that people are training uh, models in the matter of uh, you know days on single GPUs or a few GPUs and and so forth, right? Smaller models, uh, not necessarily the same size and scale, but they are becoming much more affordable. So we see a future with many many 
small and large models forming an ecosystem inside an enterprise or inside an ISV. These are, there are going to be foundation models that are very general and can be used for more complex planning tasks. But then there are going to be very, very uh, fine-tuned and scaled down, but task-specific, domain-specific models that will do one particular task exceedingly well, much better than the general model, and will cost much less to train, as well as for inference. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, in the next year or so, we're going to see a lot of enterprises move from experiments and POCs to scaling, to stable, resilient, predictable, consistent uh, applications of AI. And we're already hearing CXOs talk about that to us. Uh, the third thing will be that a generative AI will be deeply integrated into enterprise workflows. And companies, uh, especially the hyperscalers, are constantly, if you see the releases they are putting out, they're constantly aiming to make it easier and faster to integrate, even going down to low code or no code ways of integrating their AI into the enterprise workflows. And the core of the enterprise as a result is going to be much more intelligent uh, and generative uh, by design, right? And finally, uh, the same act is going to play out in software companies that companies that build software or platforms and they are going to have deep integration across the workflows and the companies that actually make uh, transformative changes to the user experience rather than incremental are really going to uh, win over much larger market share hmm interesting I, I i like the idea that it's going to get cheaper which says which says it's going to be democratized and more people have access to it uh, Panarang, I think you said it. A lot of fascinating stuff. It's going to be a very interesting sector to follow in the years ahead. Very much appreciate you sharing your expertise, and please come back and talk with us again sometime. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Pleasure talking to you.